From the Oxano Podcast Network, welcome to My Ministry Breakthrough, hosted by me, Brian Rose. This podcast is all about pastors sharing unfiltered stories of moments large and small, of times when the fog of ministry chaos clears and breakthrough clarity happens. But no, this is our city. Yeah. This is our world, you know? And we... And I felt this burden when, when God first called me. I was in West Africa. Yeah. And I was actually, I went through that typical process of just anger. Yeah. Um, because I recognized it was the first time I'd ever been overseas. And I'm like, why has nobody told me that there was this much need in the world? That there was this much lostness in the world? Like, I was frustrated that I had grown up as a believer in an evangelical church. And I just felt like nobody exposed me to this. Like, why is this somehow a different world than the world I grew up in. It should be my world too. We should have that shared ownership of our own local context, our neighborhood, um, but also distant peoples. I mean, God gives us, the local church, that burden and opportunity. It's ours to own and to joyfully say, yeah, God, like (laughs) we see it and we're going after it. We're gonna do our part. My guest in this episode is Barrett Bowden, senior pastor of Island Community Church in Memphis, Tennessee. And this is not the case of saying Memphis, but really meaning a suburb of Memphis that has a different name and a completely different ministry context. But Island Community Church is really in Memphis, downtown Memphis, literally blocks from Beale Street. Because of this, Island is reaching a broad spectrum of people groups from med school students to impoverished minority families. And there's one make or break factor in having impact like this that Barrett unpacks in this episode. The heart of the gospel comes out in this podcast. Island is a young church. Barrett talks about their growth, but also cautions that with growth can come challenges. He clearly sees and describes the one thing that is missing for numeric growth to truly result in disciples being made. We talk some about Island Community Church's mission statement and the importance of one seemingly minor word in it. And the breakthrough moment here is that most churches, probably even yours, are just one word away from true missional ownership by your people and shared effectiveness across your ministries. You'll never hear a pastor speak with so much love and passion for their city as Barrett does about Memphis. Reaching young adults and helping them discover a gospel purpose is a central theme. There are so many young leaders gathered at Island, it's hard to count. And Barrett will tell you why and how that works. So lean in and listen up to my ministry breakthrough with Barrett Bowden from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. It's great to be here in downtown Memphis. How far are we from downtown Memphis right now? You are downtown. This is downtown Memphis. Technically downtown. Island Community Church, downtown Memphis. So is this, is this, where is the most downtown of downtown Memphis? Where is? I think most people, when they think downtown Memphis, they're probably going to think Bill Street. Bill Street. Okay. Right. Yep. And how far are we from Bill Street? Probably a mile and a half, two miles at most. Okay. Okay. You said when most people think of downtown Memphis, what do you think of when, you, <laughs> when we think of downtown Memphis? Well, downtown Memphis to me is home. It's and home. so, okay. um, when I think of downtown Memphis, I'm thinking, it's my neighborhood. Yeah. This is the place that yeah feels the most at home to me, and I'm thankful for that. I know if we walk out the front doors of Island Community Church and look to the left, we can see St. Jude Hospital. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know St. Jude is here. They right. see St. Jude stuff everywhere, but it is right next door to the church. Our, their fence is right up next to our property line. So you guys share a property line with, with St. Jude. We're actually on their property right now. Oh, really? <laughs> this building. Do they know? They do know. Okay, okay. They I didn't want know if you here. guys were like squatting or, no. you know, like daring, daring to throw the church out. Like, yeah, that's good PR. It's a really cool part of the story, actually, that maybe we can talk about later. Yeah. But um, Let's tell, yeah. tell the story of Island Community Church and let's just yeah. so, use that as a springboard. ICC, which I'll refer to it as, um, yeah. we were planted about 15 years ago okay. uh, to be a gospel-centered church here for the downtown community. And um, Memphis is an incredible city. It is actually... Um, Full of life. You say and actually like there may be uh, opinions otherwise? I think so. I mean, like yeah. when I first came to Memphis nine years ago, 
it was kind of like people in my life were like, really? You're going there? Like, it's kind of like the hide your kids, hide your wife yeah. deal. Like where people Which, just... by the way, I'm from Huntsville, Alabama, where that video was from. So Really? Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, it's funny. So it, that's the impression I had moving yeah, in. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like a little nervous yeah. coming in. And the impression that I got at Memphis was that it was not going to be a great place to live. Right. It would be a very tough place to do ministry, which in some ways it is. But yeah. man... I love Memphis. Like, right. and it just seems like we're getting more on the radar nowadays. People are paying attention to a little bit more of the life that's actually here. Uh, the vibrancy of the city, the renewal, the opportunity potential. It, I mean, we are at a really cool moment in the history of Memphis. I love that. Uh, what brought you guys here nine years ago? You said you, you, you came here nine years ago. So you are not the founding pastor of Island. Right. You came in nine years ago. Give us a little bit of that story and a little bit of the story of Island in, in the middle of all that. Yeah. So we came here nine years ago for my wife, Michelle, um, to have an opportunity to study medicine here. So okay. all the health science schools for the state of Tennessee are actually uh, in Memphis, which is a unique opportunity. They're actually right here downtown, a unique opportunity for our church. But that's what brought us here originally. I had already Started, uh, God had called me out of a business background, which is a whole nother story, but I had begun a journey toward uh, ministry okay. education and ministry involvement. And so was able to kind of kind of transfer some of that as I followed her uh, into Memphis to pursue her passion and education. We thought we'd be here for a short season. Right. But for med school? For med school. Okay. But turns out God uh, just helped us to fall in love with the city. And we knew once we got here and opened our heart to really be here and see what it was that this was where we were not just going to be for her med school, but where God was like planning us for a longer season. And what so was it? What was it in that falling in love with the city? What, what was one of those moments where you realized, Hey, this is our town. We love this town. Do you, do you remember? Um, I think a lot of it was actually related to ministry involvement and the opportunities that we saw with our church. Okay. Um, Memphis is in the middle of a period of uh, renewal and residential expansion. Okay. After a long season of brokenness and divide. And honestly, with the downtown community here, there was just a lot of spiritual vacuum. Like it was just a void of gospel presence. And what's really cool right now is like what's happening in the city is that there is this reemergence of life kind of back in the heart of the city in this geographical proximity of what we call downtown, right? What does that look like? What is it? You say reemergence of life. What so, does it look like? Um, there are people moving back into the city. Okay. <laughs> there are projects that are happening again in the city. People want to eat downtown, which it wasn't deemed a safe place. Yeah. Yeah. 15, 20, 30 years ago, uh, wanting, wanting to do business downtown, wanting to, to just live their life downtown. And, yeah. um, there's just been a lot of healing that's happened. We've got young families that are very present in this inner city community, young professionals um, like the workers of St. Jude. Yeah. We've got uh, young students and graduate students primarily, law and dental and medicine and pharmacy. And so it's just a time right now where it just seems like there's just a real renewal. And then on top of that, there's a real sense of gospel renewal in the city as well. And that has what, that's what probably made us fall in love the most is the opportunity to be a part of the fabric of the community in this unique stage of renewal and, and that the way gospel, the gospel renewal. is interacting yeah. with that. What does that look like? What's that gospel? Give us a sign of that gospel renewal in Memphis right now. Give us a couple of, of examples of that. Well, just with our church, like the vision of our church is to really provide a strong gospel presence uh, in this downtown Memphis community. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to go after, um, really probably three groups. One is a group of people who are just skeptical, maybe described as like secular people who really just don't know Christ, but need to know Christ. And what we're right. seeing is like, I mean, Brian, we're baptizing um, adults. Like every time we're baptizing, we're baptizing. I wish we didn't say that in the church. Like it was a surprise. Right. Right. I mean, I wish we didn't just kind of like make the assumption that, yeah, I had a hundred baptisms last year. They were 99 were kids. You know? I mean, that, you know, <laughs> yeah. but like that we would say, hey, there's a healthy number of both children and adults that it's a. Yeah. You know. And like, I mean, I, I, we were baptizing recently and I was like, we thinking about the people we're baptizing. We're baptizing like an African-American single mom and an international who who'd heard about Christ for the first time here in the States and a, a young 20s graduate student 
who's come to Christ, who will have just huge influence in his future. And I'm just like, you know, these are the kinds of people that live in the city. Yeah. And there's a representation of those people in our church. And the stories are like, we've come to know Jesus for the first time. Um, mm. And that that's the kind of gospel renewal yeah. that we have really tried to be dedicated toward. And then you've got a group of people too in the city that had kind of written off church. Um, and they're like familiar with church or they grew up, they may do the traditional holiday stuff, but they really don't no authentic church involvement. Right. The real joy in life that comes in living with a family of like a gospel shaped community. You yeah. Know, they, don't, they don't get that. So that has been awesome for us yeah. to kind of go after that and see the renewal of that. And then two, I think here, here's another unique thing that's happened and maybe happens in other cities, but with Memphis, um, a lot of the strong gospel churches had to kind of follow their congregations out to the suburbs. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, what happened was when the city was kind of in such divide and brokenness, a lot of that related to race relations here in Memphis, just to be honest. And a lot of strong gospel churches move with their membership out of the city. And strong Christians who are in the city were often faced with the choice of like going to a broken church or going to a healthy church, but having to drive 30 minutes to get to the healthy church. Yeah. And one of the things that we have seen the opportunity for in terms of gospel renewal with our church is to provide a strong gospel church for Christians who live in the city to stay in the city in terms of their church involvement and to engage for the sake of their neighborhoods um, by being involved in a local church, uh, like in their neighborhood. So that's been awesome. That's awesome. And a ton, yeah. of, ton of fun. So give us a little bit of the history of Island Community Church, if you can. I know you weren't around for the first first six years of it, but you know, who 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 started it? What was kind of the the idea behind it? You I know it was a house church for, for, a, for a big season, right? Yeah, so we're called Island Community for a reason. Um, yeah. The subdivision that our church was planted in is called Mud Island. It's in the middle of the Mississippi River. Yep. It's kind of a funny community. It's but kind of a little quirky little thing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even thing. consider it a community. Is Are there residential areas yep, on so Mud Island? like 7,000 people live on oh, Mud really? Island, what's called Mud Island. And they call it Mud Island. In the Island. shadow of the pyramid, right? The yeah. shadow of the Great Pyramid. The big, that's yeah. now Bass Pro, which is that's the now weirdest. Bass Pro shops, right? <laughs> it's the weirdest thing ever. But yeah, it used to be this huge, like literally mud area where they, it was like a trash dump. Yeah. And they converted it to a residential community. So 15 years ago, it was 2003, that my neighborhood where we live now was built. Okay. And tons of other people live there now. But it was at the same time that um, our church planner, Hoyt Lovelace, actually began to invite, he, he just has an apostolic burden. He yeah. he loves seeing lost people uh, come to Christ. Yeah. He seeks after them. And he, his, he had moved to Memphis because his wife was doing medical school as well. So almost the same story as Michelle yeah. and I. But um, yeah, they just started inviting people to their living room for church because they recognized like, these people are totally unchurched and they're just lost. And there's no gospel yeah. church that I can recommend in the community. So we're just going to invite them to our living room on Sundays and, kind of in a very or very natural kind of organic way um, that's our church was planted and constituted and it was it paralleled the kind of re- residential renewal that we okay. saw um, so you say that was kind of a turning point for the city as well in that season or I think so okay and I've got to be careful saying that because you know <laughs> it's not all about just residential people moving by yeah, then yeah. Um, but there's been a lot of positive momentum in the last 20 years of the, the history of Memphis. So what, give us, give us a, that house church there started there. Um, what's give, give us, how did you get plugged in? How did the, you know, this become, I yeah. mean, we're in a building now. Just a little bit of that story. Yeah. So the short story is uh, it moved from the house into a school on the Island. And then it moved from uh, w- actually when it was in the school nine years ago, Michelle and I came to Memphis, we were looking for, a good gospel church uh, to be plugged into. Yeah. And uh, there were tons of good gospel churches in Memphis, but everyone that was recommended to us, we found ourselves driving 30 minutes to. And man, we had awesome experiences and yeah, we loved yeah, it. Yeah. But we left a bit frustrated because we were visiting churches that were removed from our neighborhood, contextually, like kind of a disconnect uh, with our culture downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, where we thought, you know, even if we had somebody we wanted to invite to church, they couldn't make the drive or that this would just be a weird cultural fit. Yeah. And then two, like we weren't finding the opportunities to be involved in community and service um, in our local context. 
So we expressed that frustration around and we found um, a recommendation for Island Community Church. It was a really small group of people meeting in a school at the time. And uh, we About went, how many folks were gathering? Were probably 30, 40 okay. on a Sunday. We went in, it was the weirdest thing ever. Like people well, were sitting hey. behind school desks. It was like this dude. They were like, like sitting in rows at the school desk? Yeah, it was or? kind of a weird deal. It was just yeah. like... But it was. Do they have lunches? Do they have their lunches packed? And almost, you know? <laughs> it was almost like that. They had their PE clothes with them. It's like stuff. the dude at the front of the church, and he's like, like you can't tell if he's like leading worship or practicing. You know, it's yeah, just like you yeah, know, it was a yeah, sweet yeah. season. Yeah. But we walked in that Sunday. It was the weirdest thing, but everything we were looking for was there. Yeah. What there was, was that? There was authenticity. It was Bible focused. Uh, it was mission minded. It was relational and very relationally discipleship kind of driven. Yeah. Um, there were people who were like us in our, from our neighborhood, kind of millennial generational people Yeah. Um, who were present. I mean, everything we were looking for and the people after church that day asked us to lunch and we were like, seriously, they want to know us. Like this is the best thing ever. So we never went anywhere else okay. from that day forward. We got involved with ICC and um, they found out that I was in seminary. I was getting to my MDiv and, Suddenly they're like, "Hey, we got some stuff for you to do. We got a <laughs> live so, one over here." <laughs> so we uh, we started to get more involved in leadership. I became yeah. an associate pastor when that okay. when the pastor at the time who was a PhD when he graduated and he actually went to kind of a more ministry position. He was called toward. Um, there was a need for a pastor and okay, a team for the church called so, me. So, so the the pastor at the time was that the founding pastor? It was actually not. It was a friend of the founding pastor. Okay. Um, so it was just kind of some friends gathered and kind of had this church going. Yeah. Um, and like you were next up, right? <laughs> kind I mean, of. It was kind of like that. Yeah, okay. Okay. But it was the most unexpected thing because God had called me to ministry on the mission field. And I and Michelle and I both have a real global missions calling. Okay. We kind of thought we would be back overseas. Um, our training was kind of geared toward being back yeah. overseas in a, a global missions context. So the idea of pastoring in Memphis was like, I was just really reticent. I was yeah. just like, man, like, I don't know. This is, this is not what I, I never thought I would be a pastor. Yeah. yeah. But you know, everything about what our ministry is about, I loved like so much joy in like, I'm, I'm looking at the opportunity and I'm like, if this is what it looks like to pastor, like, this is what I want my life to be about. Yeah. And it was a really neat moment of, of, of God's calling and confirmation that this is what he made us for. And um, we are getting the greatest sense of fulfillment from both of our callings here in Memphis. Uh, more joy than we ever thought possible. Your wife is a physician and you as a pastor. You guys are, yeah. it, that's what you mean. You're getting. Yeah, just yeah. so much fulfillment. Yeah. And um, what does that, we what does that look like? lost the perspective of the nations. Yeah. But we are here for the sake of there. And that's pretty cool. You say you guys have so much fulfillment. I I. By the way, we're in a city, so we're going to have city noises in the background of this podcast, which I love. I think that it's keeps fun. us, this is the reality of doing ministry in the downtown area. Yep. Is there's downtown noises. There's <laughs> trucks. There's other yep. things. So we're going to plow through here. When, when you say there's a fulfillment that you guys are getting, I know firsthand there's leaders out there. There's there's men and women in, in leadership roles. There's, there's pastors sitting there today that aren't fulfilled or don't mm. feel fulfilled. Yeah. What does that fulfillment look like for you? I think I get to be who I am and I get to do what I know I'm made to do. Okay. Um, and when you I, say you get to be who you are. Yeah. So, so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I don't feel like I am, I'm on a day-to-day basis needing to conform to some job description or some expectation that other people have on me Yeah. as much as I just feel alive. Like I wake up every day and I'm like, this is who I am. Yeah. And I don't have to be anybody other than who I am. And the things I would want to be doing, if nobody was asking me to do them, I get to do every day. Yeah. And is that um, something you've, you stepped into and just, Hey man, you know, the providential will of God, the, the luck of the draw, you know, the, yeah. the Holy spirit, what I mean is, is that something you just kind of fell into? Or is that something you've had to work over these last nine years to cultivate? Was that already present in the culture or are you, are you leading the culture in that way? I think some of both. I think some of it was when I came on, um, the church was desirous for leadership. And I kind of, you know, there was a, a moment of communication that was needed where it's like, you know, do you know who I am? Do you know what I feel called to do? Do you know the yeah. vision that God's put in my heart if we were to move forward in this? And they're very much affirming 
that, which gave me some freedom. Yeah. But then there's constant cultural pressure that I feel. <laughs> some of it's based on churches around us, you know, and just the, g- give the me landscape. A In a healthy way. I mean, I know, you know, what what is that constant cultural pressure? What is that? Well, I mean, I think it's easy to evaluate yourself based on what you see in other people or yeah. in other churches. Yeah. And um, so I you're looking out at these other churches going, we should be more like them or. I think there's temptation to. They're it. saying you should be more like us. I think there's temptation to. I think all of us as leaders feel that as we as we interact and yeah. just live in relationships with other leaders, look around, read stuff online. Um, and you have to constantly bring yourself back to, to, to the call that you have. Right. <laughs> Not to the call that somebody else has. And to the, the clear vision that God's given you for your specific congregation and your yeah. specific community and the, and the cultural stuff that you know that God's kind of leading you toward. So you have to constantly work at um, that freedom. What does that look like for you? What does working at that look like? What what brings you back? What grounds you back to your vision, your call? Um, I, I'll tell you um, one example. Okay. So this past Sunday— um, we kicked off a new series. Okay. And the series uh, is on the study of Galatians. We walk through books of the Bible. Typically here, we do topical okay. stuff, but we do a lot of Bible-focused series, um, mostly Bible-focused series. Because that's more biblical, right? To talk through the biblical? <laughs> I, I actually think it'd be a great idea for all of us. But um, <laughs> we're going through Galatians this fall. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, like, I remember when I was first called to ministry, first, yeah. like, this is my first opportunity to pastor any church yeah, yeah. okay it's the only place i've ever pastored here at island here at island. Yeah, okay okay so i remember the first series man like it was just like when we were starting a series it was like me and a bible yeah and then the guitar singing guy you're like going over your quiet times from the week with everybody like hey this is the thing what yeah i mean yeah, it's just yeah. like it was just so raw yeah. but so beautiful like yeah. i look back at that and i'm like this is what i signed up for like yeah. it's not about the frills it's not about the the, the crazy pressures all the the fog and smoke machines or the light. I mean, it was just like live animals on stage. Oh dude, don't even get me started. Okay. okay. But um, yeah, it's just like the Bible yeah. and a group of people who are leaning in, wanting yeah. to grow in relationship with right. God, authentic worship. It didn't matter about the, yeah. the package. Right. If that makes right. sense. Um, now fast forward seven years into pastoring, we're now a church of 400. Right. And um, smoke machines. We're in a building. Like you just said, <laughs> yeah. like we're yeah. not in a transitional space. We're in a building. And over the years, man, like I don't fault us for this. It's a cool thing that we've actually matured. Yeah. We have, we're doing better with quality. Like we have developed programming. I mean, so here we are at the start of the series and we have huge stage design. We have like, I spent probably four hours on my sermon PowerPoint, like because. I just wanted to be that right because yeah, the, yeah. it's so important that our media is right now and they get it gets yeah. published on other yeah. things. We have books that we've worked for the last two months to be printed, right? like media packages, video promos. I mean, all the stuff that's like ready. And to be honest, I was stressed out. I mean, like by the time the series was about to launch, I was like, I'm ready to be done with this series because yeah. I was just so tired. Back around to the story. This past Sunday, series launched. 10 minutes into the service, Power goes out in all of downtown Memphis. Like 30,000 people lost power. Our church, total. I saw that on Instagram. Total power loss. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. So, you know what that means? Everything that we planned. Pick up that acoustic guitar. Everything we the planned Bible, is gone. Everybody lean in. People can't see the glossy books we published. They have. They can't see the video. There's no, slides no PowerPoint that slides. So many hours on. Like nothing. You know what it did though? What? We had to make, we made a decision. We're going to continue. We had 400 people in the room. Yeah. In the dark, a little bit of light, but not much. People pulled out their phones. Acoustic guitar, simple worship, hymns, primarily choruses that people knew by heart. Yeah. Me standing in front with a Bible. That's all I had. Yeah. Uh, people leaning in. Yeah. Wanting to hear from the God and grow in their relationship with Him. It was the most beautiful day of worship. People left Sunday. I have never had a longer line. I kid you not, Brian. Never had a longer line of people that wanted to speak to me and tell me that it was the most amazing day mm. of worship they'd experienced at our church. It was awesome. People coming, can we do this more regular? I'm like, what? Cut the power? Like, seriously? <laughs> like, this is stupid. But you know what it brought me is back Is that to? like Peter going, hey, we should stay on this mountain and build a temple here? Is that, is that <laughs> yeah, like no, a similar, right? like, let's no. cut the power out every Sunday so like, we can experience this? Exactly. Like, 
you know, it brought me back though, full circle. And I yeah. thought, you know what? Like, this is so freeing. Yeah. It was really sweet of God to do this. Like, it was so freeing to remember, like, you know what? We've grown, we've developed, we work so hard at all this, like, packaged stuff now. But you know what it's really about is the substance hmm. of the spirit of, like, meeting in the presence of God. Yeah. Like, truly worshiping from our hearts to God together. Like, it's not about the coolest, latest song or, like, how it sounds through the sound system. Like, it's just about bringing our hearts to God. It's about beautiful, pure exposition of the gospel from God's word. Like, it's not about the slides or the particular ways that we have, like, packaged the sermon. Um, Yeah, and people walked away going, we met with God today. Like, this was amazing. And I'm thinking, why do we do this? Why do I put all this cultural pressure on myself to keep upping, upping, upping quality and and I'm not saying that's bad. Yeah. But yeah. man, you asked me the question, what does it look like to feel free? That day was a day that I remembered. I got to focus on the things that really matter, that make us who we are. Yeah. That bring substance to this body. Like our church is not about that stuff. Our church would be just fine. I really believe, I don't think I would have believed it probably before Two Sunday. weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. But now I'm like, you know what? We're still who we are. Yeah. Who we were back then, we were still that church. And it was just one of those moments where I'm like, thank you, God. So that was something more done to me, not something I'm choosing to do myself Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to keep that that reminder. But I find that's, that's how a sweet God day. usually grows me. Yeah. It's not something I'm doing myself. Yeah. It's something it's done to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, exactly. thanks for that reminder. Exactly. And, um, you know, rest. Yeah. Super important. Yeah. Um, if I'm not taking regular time off, um, I, can, I, I sometimes can lose the vision. Yeah. And yeah. just a perspective. So that's something else that I, I'm trying to be better about. To be honest, as a as a church planner, pastor, one who's been growing the last seven years I've yeah. pastored, that is hard. Yeah, like I'm not good at that. But that is something I know I need. That bring it, it's not just what I need for my my own health, but I, our church needs me to rest yeah. to be able to keep leading toward a clear vision of who He's called us to be. What is what's a practice of rest look like for you? What is that, dude? I love travel. To me, I have to get out of Memphis. Okay. And I don't say that against Memphis. I say that because... You're so passionate about the city. You can't rest if you're... Yeah. Dude, other leaders are going to understand this. I go to get my hair cut, and people want to talk to me about their problems and just talk to me about the church. I I can go 45 minutes out of town, try to get away with my wife like I did three weeks ago, to a quiet little restaurant where I think nobody's going to see us here. The waitress comes up. You're the guy that pastors ICC, right? And there's just something to the reality of the fact that we've grown and we do have some influence, which is cool. But man, that's hard. Yeah. So I've got to. It's hard out, for you to rest, right? It's, it's hard, hard for, for you to, to not be on. Hard for you to be in that moment with your wife when yeah. those things are happening. So for us, getting yeah. away, yeah. Even if it's just like an hour away, yeah. But sometimes it's further. Yeah. Um, for you could probably go over or, across the river and get away. <laughs> it's like a different country, man. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's different. Um, so so the practice of rest for you is is getting away. Is, yeah. is kind of is removing, you know, yourself. And I could see that, you know, when you're, when you're that passionate and called to a place beyond the visibility, beyond the people know you that there's just, you know, you know, I, I one time I, I had a, a worship uh, pastor in one of my churches in that I was serving, serving on staff with. And, and I was talking about like, listen to this, this worship song on the way in and how it was like kind of cool in the car. I was, and he was like, I, I can't listen to music in the car. I was like, why? And he goes, because I can't, I can't stop thinking about how to play that and how to do this. And some of those things, he's like, I have to be super intentional. About I say, I have to listen to talk radio because he's so, he hears the music in a different way. And I see that in my daughter as well. She yeah. hears the music differently. I work great with music on. I yeah. write with music on loud yeah. in my ear. Usually I think you used the word secular earlier. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's uh-huh. secular music. Uh, um, <laughs> Starts with foo and ends in fighters, but some of those things like kind of <laughs> kind of rattle around. And I want to play music while I'm working on my daughter's doing homework, and she's she can't because she's hearing the music, hearing the parts, thinking about those things. So I can yeah. see that like in this passion for this city, like the removal of that. Yeah. Um. And you got to tell other people that yes. you're resting. Yeah. And that they shouldn't expect to get you. And that's another thing that I've, I'm working at. Yeah. It's like truly disconnecting, yeah. getting away helps with that but there's yeah. also some things just putting your phone off on my D&D, phone yeah we're actually telling our staff team yeah and ministry leaders i'm not going to be available for five days and here's why yeah and setting up a plan for yeah. them to contact somebody else yeah 
And that's really hard because letting go of control or, or not being needed sometimes is, is a tough deal. Is that already in the culture here though? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of leaders, there's a lot of churches I'm in and out of every week where that's not gonna fly. Like, Pastor, we pay you to be available. And whether that's spoken or not, I think that's felt. Yeah. Like if I turn off my phone, somebody's gonna have a problem with it. And it's easier for me to not do that than to deal with the problem. Mm-hmm. I think some of that is 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 cultural here, perhaps, but I think some of that is up to us as leaders. I think we have to establish expectations. And I think we've got to listen to our church when they say to us, we really need somebody to contact, you know? Yeah. And some, you know, I was the only pastor here for quite a long season. And yeah. our staff has grown from there, but I get what it means to be the only pastor and some of those pressures are just inherent. And when you were the only guy, what did you do? I, I was probably bad about it. I think okay. I probably caved and didn't turn my phone off. What it's was the breakthrough? Hard. What was the breakthrough moment where you realized how important this rest was and how you had to hand that off? I think over and over. I think every leader's got to know the symptoms of exhaustion mm-hmm. and unhealth. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can't take ownership of our own symptoms, yeah, <laughs> um, and then respond to that by, by seeking health, then we got a problem. I, I think for me, it was probably, I don't remember exactly, but a, some kind of breakdown where yeah. I end up in this place of exhaustion. And then I start realizing like, Oh, like I haven't turned my phone off in yeah. two years or whatever it was. Um, you know, that triggered some action. Um, but two, I think just empowering leaders around you. That's one of the things I've learned so much is, is about empowerment. Um, You've got to empower people around you to lead with you, yeah. to carry some of that load. You've got to to help the church see that it's not all about just you as a pastor. Yeah. That there's pastoral care. Pastoral care is available um, through the team and also just through the the body of the church itself. So. Do you guys have like a shared language that you use when you talk about that? Is there are there some words within the walls around here that when you talk about care, you talk about you know, is there something in in some of your visionary language and some of those things that you kind of a mantra you guys have in that or is it more organic and just um, happening in real time? Um, I think it used to be just kind of more organic. I think we're trying to figure out right now how to clarify some yeah, of that. Yeah. Um, we've done probably the, we do talk about care yeah. and increasingly what we're doing is helping people realize that their first kind of go-to for care is their small groups. Yeah. yeah. We're increasingly trying to, to help people see the right pathway and mm-hmm. we've got to put a pathway in front of people um, for their next step. If they, they have some issue that they want to reach out about and we're, What's we're that trying to create a system yeah. too. This is, this is weird for me because like, I just want to be accessible to all people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's hard for me. This has been a real struggle with growth to kind of embrace that. Some of the stuff needs to be systematized. Like yeah. if I just let anybody ask for a meeting anytime that they want to, like, that runs me into the ground and right. it's not healthy for them or for me or for the church as a whole. So we're trying to help people recognize that like to have a meeting with a pastor, here's your process. And they have to get asked as they go on the form and fill it out. They, they get asked, have you talked to your small group leader about it? Have, you know, they get asked yeah. a series of yeah. questions that kind of helps them to process. Is this truly something that I need to, to meet with the pastor about? Yeah. So we're trying to instill some of that in our culture. Um, and, and help the church know that we are regularly meeting with small group leaders and caring. We are caring for them, but it's it's through yeah, kind of a group of leaders. And so us. that pathway, that you know, what we would say, the strategy. Do you guys have that mapped in a, in a clear way for them, or are you, are you kind of mapping it real time? Yeah, we don't. Okay, yeah, <laughs> we probably need to. But a lot of churches have language for it, but not necessarily the yeah, you know. Yeah, I kind think that's a, something we're working on. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And, and what I'm trying to do is I don't want people to to think that suddenly we're becoming a very systematized church. I yeah. want people to still be, like know our pastor's heart yeah. and yeah. see our accessibility and understand the why behind the what of these yeah. processes. So I think that's something that I'm trying to figure out is like how do we how do we roll this out in a way that that actually allows for buy-in. Yeah. 
What give me give me an example of you know you strong vision missional language here. What's a, what's kind of one of those knock it out of the park the, the kind of the home run the celebration moments you guys have had recently? Would it have been this last Sunday? Or that, man, that was a cool day. Um, and I think it was just a really reaffirming day. Yeah, I just felt like God. It was a day too for me to remember like. Not only is like God at work in this church, and what we have is not just surface; it's right. substantive. Right. So that's something to celebrate, right? Because yeah. that's something we use to the measure s- the substance beyond the surface. Oh man, right. it's a that was a huge win yeah. in terms of measurement or success. Yeah. But it also just helped me as a leader go, wow, like this is not up to to me. This is just about God's presence yeah. in our church, and just remember that. In terms of knock it out of the park moment, man, I was in uh, South Asia, and. Uh, in a country that is one of the most unreached countries. When was this? This was in March. Okay. So March 2018. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was in a country that's one of the most unreached countries in the world. Super difficult uh, to be in. We actually got a visa to go in. And the reason we were there was to minister. Can you can you just mouth the name of the country to me? Don't say it with a microphone, but just mouth it. I think I can say it because I got a visa. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just in case, I won't. Yeah, yeah. But anyway... That country? Yeah, that country. <laughs> Can you believe it? But I was there um, to lead. We got invited to help lead okay. a, a retreat, a care retreat for missionaries. There, it was a national retreat for missionaries. And most of these missionaries have not been able to leave the country in the last two years because there's been a freeze on visas. And if they leave, they can't go back into the place of their call. So you talk about a tired, discouraged group. Yeah. <laughs> um, faithful, faithful people. Um, everybody listening to this podcast, you should be proud that God has people like yeah, that yeah. serving places like that. It's just amazing. We don't get to hear their stories often enough. No, no, because yeah. they can't share them publicly. Yeah. But they're yeah. there yeah. and doing amazing work. And God yeah. is working amidst those, those people. So anyway, it was this amazing moment for me as a pastor here at ICC because here we are experiencing this incredible work of renewal at this missionary care retreat. Right. But the reason we're there is because our church um, sent a member there as a missionary about three years ago. So we actually have a church member. She's one of our dearest friends. Yeah. She's a medical doctor. And she came to Memphis for her medical uh, residency. Like many people in the downtown community, she moved in. She was seeking community. She was seeking God. She found ICC. Long story short, (laughs) She was discipled here, and not only was she discipled here, but she caught a vision and passion for the nations here, which God had begun in her, and it was just really, like, clarified here. And she surrendered to the call to missions here uh, through medicine. And we got to send her out three years ago as a church. We still support her on a monthly basis, and we're really connected to her with care and shepherding and stuff, but she is there. And so here we are in March— Visiting her for the first time ever, we got an access to go and visit her, which meant yeah. the world to her to right. get to tour her hospital right. and sit on her right. couch and just love her people. Yeah. yeah. But not only that, like we're ministering this whole group that she's led us into. And I just thought, man, God, like, how cool is this? Like, you called me to mission <laughs> yeah. when I was overseas amidst unreached people. And I surrendered to that call and I, you know, moved into Memphis, followed my wife who's called to mission and medicine, just like this girl yeah. that we sent and led us to ICC. And like being at ICC has not been a separation from the vision he gave us at the yeah. start. <laughs> it's been a fulfillment of it um, because here we are, it's this full circle moment in March where I'm going, how cool is this? Yeah. Like our, our church gets it. Like our, our church gets what it's all about and is getting that. It's not just about Memphis, but it's also about the nation's. And is committed to make disciples to the degree that here I sit, yeah. you know, seven years later um, with this one who's been called from our church, sent out from our church, supported in our church. And now we've got this full circle moment to like care for not only her, but her whole team here. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it's just one of those moments where I'm like, yeah, we're probably Church 400. Who knows how many people actually know us in the, in the broader landscape. But right. the impact that we're making is real. Hmm. The lives that are being changed through our ministry, yeah, I mean, it, it is real. And uh, even the opportunity to extend influence around the world through the people that we're sending out, um, it's, that's really real. 
how are you putting handles on that vision for like today's congregation? Like what are the handles that, that they get to be a part of that, that they see? I mean, I know you're telling the story when you come back, you're showing the pictures, but what, how else are you putting handles on that vision for them? What is, what's, what's helping them pick it up and carry it? Maybe, maybe to their next door neighbor, maybe 10 years from now around the world themselves. Yeah. So that makes sense. We clarify our, our, our mission statement, which okay. we were greatly helped with Arxano, um to to figure that out. That was a yeah. it was a huge. We first for us. met in a collab. That's right. Right there was there's ten or so. Yep. Uh, churches gathered in the Memphis area. Yeah. Somewhere starts like plants, I guess, yeah. and somewhere kind of trying to revitalize. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, working through that was huge. Putting some language to what we're about, and and what we say is you know, we're being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. Okay. And the impact our world is actually, you know, meaningful for us in our context. And we, we actually put handles on it uh, for people to understand what that means. It, okay. It, it, it's local, but it's also global. And, um, yeah, we really want people to understand here <laughs> that um, they, there is an opportunity to enter in a real relationship with Jesus that is yeah. personally transforming. But there's purpose to that transformation. And it is that, that outward focus. And um, we are pushing people constantly to make that very practical. You know, where are people serving in the local context? Where are people serving in the global context? And we, we, we put it out there very clearly that all of us have to be engaged in global missions. Mm-hmm. It, it is not for some subset of the church. Um, we're, we're all about all of our purposes. And global missions is a, is a huge one. Um, 25% of our budget, for instance, goes to missions. Wow. So a quarter of out of every dollar. So that's one of the, the handles that we put on. We're yeah. like, we as a church are together very, very committed to this. Yeah. Um, our dollars are committed to this, even to the point that we've had to make, you know, you think about 25% was easier seven years ago. <laughs> yeah. Our was. budget was $100,000. Yeah. You know, that... That percentages yeah. stay the same, but the dollar amount just seems like whoa. Well, and they also more staff, building maintenance. Yeah. I mean, you know, so we've had to make big sacrifices. fancy sets, evidently for for the stage yeah. on Sunday morning. I'm just kidding. It's actually just balloons <laughs> no, tied I'm on the string kidding. that look cool with lights. <laughs> but I'm not even kidding. But um, yeah, so like things like that yeah. have really helped us to create a culture to where you know we sacrifice for the sake of mission. You know, and is that named in your values anywhere? Is there a value that really kind of you can kind of point people back to that says, Hey, listen, remember this value is why we're making this decision. No. Um, strategic is one of our values. Yeah. So it kind of plays into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That we're really strategic with what we do for the sake of mission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good. But yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question, but we're trying to make it very practical for people to see um, that it's not just like us as a staff doing this. Yeah. <laughs> or it's the, the church is the people. So all of our people you know, we try to bring into global missions, for instance. All of our small groups yeah. are partnered with a missionary um, for prayer and are regularly engaging with Skype calls and care letters. And so not just like postcards and, on the fridge. They really no, know for, who the person it's relationships. is. Yeah. Okay. It's relationships. So we want everybody in our church to have those relationships with people who are serving. Everybody's got firsthand contact with someone who's on the That's mission That's our field. goal. That's our goal. Yeah. And we and we got like twenty more that are in the pipeline. They've raised their hand and said we want to get sent out. So it's pretty cool. That is really cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I I I, I love and notice a difference. Say, r- r- give me the mission one more time. We are being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. And there's a subtle there's a subtle shift to me. It seems, and I do this for a living. So you can kind of you can kind of speak into this or you can say, no, Brian, I think you're just kind of making too big a deal out of something. Yeah. But the difference between the world and our world yeah, in naming our world, do you sense that's bringing a higher degree of ownership ownership than if you had said to impact the world? I, I believe so. Which is why we went through that process with you and yeah. we, we started to realize every word mattered. Yeah. And that was a very intentional word um, to help people recognize that. For instance, here in Memphis, the problems that happen just a few blocks away from us can sometimes feel like, well, that's the problems of that neighborhood. That's just yeah. that neighborhood. But look, no, that's this their is, world. That's their world. Yeah. But no, this is our city. Yeah. This is our world. 
you know? And we, and I felt this burden when, when God first called me, I was in West Africa yeah. and I was actually, I went through that typical process of just anger yeah. <laughs> um, because I recognized it was the first time I'd ever been overseas. And I'm like, why has nobody told me that there was this much need in the world, that there was this much lostness in the world? Like I was frustrated that I had grown up as a believer in a evangelical church. And I've just felt like nobody exposed me to this. Like, why is this somehow a different world than the world I grew up in? Mm. It should be my world too. We should have that shared ownership of our own local context, our neighborhood, um, but also distant peoples. I mean, God gives us the local yeah. church yeah. that burden and opportunity. Um, it's ours to yeah. own and to joyfully say, yeah, God, like <laughs> we see it and we're going after it. We're going to do our part. Um, so you guys are being highly intentional with the ownership of the mission right now, not just appreciation of it, not just fellowship around a mission, but ownership. We're, we're trying to be, mission. for instance, in a local scale, you know, we did a survey that the way we developed local ministry is we did a survey of the neighborhood and we, 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 we basically paralleled who are the groups that God calls us to serve biblically orphans, widows, sojourners, strangers, Wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't go down this social justice, social gospel road here. Don't even get me I'm started. I'm just kidding. I'm totally just kidding. Let's not go on that tangent. Let's not go there. But I get stick, what you're saying. I'll just yeah. stick with biblical justice. Yeah. Who are the groups we're called to serve? Yeah. yeah. And then we overlaid that with who who are these groups in our community? Yeah. And we 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 took ownership saying, for instance, if if our church is not engaging with the sick and suffering of St. Jude, like these families who come from around the country and around the world. If our church is not engaging with them to share the hope of Christ with them and to love and serve them, what church is in our context? If our church is not the one reaching out to the to the fatherless of a neighboring community here or the, or the kids that are struggling to get yeah. a good education, not because they don't want a good education, but because they grew up in the wrong neighborhood and their school sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like if we're not doing our part, who is? So what what we've tried to say to our church over and over and over again is, look, this is us. This is our community. This is our responsibility, our opportunity to take ownership of, of what God's called us to be, not only within the church mm. here, but within our local context and then in the global context as well. That's pretty sweet. It's fun. What's on the horizon right now? I don't What's... know if people are getting it, but... No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. I sure hope so. You know what? Um, they are. I think they are because we got a ton of folks serving and saying yes to, to toward... Um, we've got a lot of people who are repurposing their skills hmm. and their uh, influence. They're coming resources. from med school and they're leaving Man, with a mission. Talk about what makes me salivate, right? Yeah. It's just this opportunity with these folks in such a pivotal, pivotal stage of life Man. to cast a vision for what their future could be about in terms of the kingdom. And that's, it's, it feels like you're reshaping the narrative. passion with purpose. Yeah. Right. Like come in with this passion for medical. They come in with this passion for, for I mean, obviously you're you're you know, gone are the days when you're going to be a doctor because you want to be rich, you know. Well, I mean, I'm I mean, so I'm married to a doctor, and right, you know, it comes with money. It, it doesn't hurt anything, yeah. right? But I'm just saying, like, it, there's a there's a passion. People are getting into it now, maybe in this season more than they're. I, I, I think know, so. Maybe I'm on the wrong track with no, that, but I'm just I, saying, I if you guys right. can marry a marry a a biblical gospel. Yes. rooted purpose yes. to this dream they've had since they were a kid of being yeah. a doctor. Yeah. But all of a sudden it's not work anymore. It's calling. Exactly. They're not going into a field. And they wake up like me wanting to do what they're made to do every day. <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it's, it's re- helping people rise to that higher kingdom narrative. Yeah. And really embracing that opportunity. And suddenly you're making decisions, not based on which job pays the most. Um, or which neighborhood is the the coolest or safest for me to live in, yeah. you know? But you're evaluating things through through a gospel lens and through a missional lens. And um, yeah, we have seen we have seen the influence our church has had over the last decade, and it's substantive. It's real. What's the challenge right now? What are you guys wrestling with right now? Yeah. So, man, what are we not wrestling with? I think. Um, What's one of like the the biggest? You know, you're saying, hey, we, we could use some real breakthrough in this area right now. Yeah, I think um, probably it's related to 
the, let me, let me take those separate challenge and breakthrough if I could. Yeah. Um, the challenge right now I'm feeling pastorally is with the growth that we're having as yeah. much as I celebrate it. I am concerned that we could be at risk at losing some of the substantive cultural things that make us ICC. Meaning you can't get everybody in the same room beyond a certain size or something else. I think that that is, uh, I mean, I think I, that that's to, a, if we get nuts and bolts about it, everybody's in one room and that feels good. As soon as we outgrow right. one room in one service time. Exactly. How do we continue our continuity of relational discipleship with 20 separate growth annually? Yeah. I mean, how do I ensure yeah. that we've still got the, the leaders who get disciple who are first of all, authentic disciples who get the work of authentic discipleship, relational discipleship. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we sustain that when our growth is primarily coming from non-churched or non-Christian people? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So how do we continue to keep people connected to a relational discipler when so much of our growth is like they're brand new to Christ? <laughs> um, it would seem like if you're, if you're, if you're truly discipling people, then they can't really kind of wear that disciple or discipled name tag without thinking, okay, who am I discipling in the way that I've been discipling? Does oh, that yeah. make sense? Oh, yeah. Are you are you saying it's just a systems issue? We're doing that. It's or, just like, or the systems may be the issue. You don't want to let systems drive. Um, like you could get to a point where you outgrow your capacity to disciple well or lead well. <laughs> I don't know that we're at that point yet, yeah. but I think that's the. I think a lot of guys would like to struggle with that. That, yeah, <laughs> but like maybe yeah, that, that's one of the challenges we have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, how do I keep? How do we keep the Ephesians four thing of like you know we as leaders are called to equip the church uh, for the work of ministry. You know, with with growth like we're seeing, how do we ensure that we are continuing to empower yeah. lay leadership yeah. and not just staff leadership? You know yeah. how. Yeah. How do we make sure we're not sacrificing the long-term maturity of the church for just short-term opportunistic or necessary yeah. things? Yeah. Um, how do we continue to be effective with unchurched people is another question I'm wrestling with. As like, if size makes you well, I, less... There's something that we're facing here. Um, we are now becoming a popular Trinity church among Christian people. So people come into Memphis who are already Christians and they suddenly find us a lot easier. Why is that a problem? I mean, they give, right? It's not a problem. <laughs> they give. <laughs> they attend more they regularly. Attend. They give. But here's the here's You can the deal. guilt them a whole lot easier exactly. to doing stuff. Dude. Why is that a problem? They're, they're prime territory, right? <laughs> here's the problem. Yeah. Is our mission was never for, for that kind of growth. Like, not that we are against it because it in some ways helps our discipleship issues. Yeah. But I know myself and I know our leadership to where we could easily look at the packed room that we've got. Things are buzzing. Things are thriving. Right. And suddenly go, man, we pat ourselves on the back. And we're like, what a great Sunday. What a huge crowd. You know, we, we start measuring the wrong things because it's full mm. and it's vibrant. But what we've got to continue to measure are the right things, which is like our engagement with the lost and the unchurched and being a place for you know, broken people and like reaching new territory, not just transferring people from other territories. Hmm. Like that's, that's a challenge. I don't know that we're failing at that right now, but I think that that's something we're struggling with facility. You know, here we are in an urban area. We, we rent the building we're sitting in, Brian. Okay, good. I'm glad you're not squatting. So we're not squatting, but how long, you know, we've got, we've got a lease term on this, but how much longer will we have this? Like, with all the renewal that I said earlier was like huge in Memphis right now, you know, I'm so thankful and excited about it, but guess what? Property values are, are way up. Like if, if this lease term comes, when it comes to an end, if we can't stay for another term, you know, that's going to be something that's going to be yeah. incredibly challenging for us in the inner city. You know, how do you navigate the space needed for, yeah. for the kind of growth that we've experienced? Mm-hmm. So yeah. In terms of need for breakthrough. Um, I think that I'm failing in in one area currently. <laughs> I think we the process you and I went through to clarify who we are yeah. and what we're about. Like everybody who comes in our church now knows who we are. Yeah. They know what we're about. They know the why behind the what. They know what we want yeah. from them, yeah. <laughs> like how to get involved. Yeah. Um, I'm so thankful. But now we got people 
who are regularly going like, where, where are we going with all this? Yeah. And I've started to realize like, man, we're so busy just pastoring people, keeping yeah. up with the stuff that's already kind of present. We hadn't cast a vision for where is, what is five years from now? What happens? Yeah. Like, are we going to just keep growing? Are we going to do multi-service or multi-site? Yeah. Or are we going to start multiplying like independent, like all Thomas churches? Like what is the, the 10, 20, 30 year? What are those big yeah. ideas that we're chasing? And what I started realizing, Brian, is that like we're having those conversations among key leadership, but with the church at large, we hadn't let people in. Yeah. And I don't even know that we know how to let people in. <laughs> like, I think we've got to figure out how to clarify. Yeah. And you need to help me with this. <laughs> I was going to say, I have a tool for that. <laughs> I was like, I know you do. But yeah. A little process, little. Uh, that's our need for yeah, breakthrough right yeah. now. Because I think we're at risk of becoming stagnant. Yeah. Um, or the membership becoming frustrated. And we were in a meeting last month and yeah. I introduced the Horizon storyline and I saw you light up. I saw I you. I never remember up. the name of that thing. Yeah. Horizon storyline. Why do y'all name things like this? Um, Like come up with something that's like 10 year framework. Yeah. Horizon okay. storyline. So, so ICC needs a 10 year framework. <laughs> uh, Horizon story. Well, really, I'll, I'll tell you why it's named that. Yeah. Uh, one, the storyline, the thread of the storyline. We want to be able to see vision, not as a statement that gets put on a wall, but a state of mind that the church carries, right? And so sometimes when you think about a statement, it's like, okay, we put that on the wall or the website of the worship bulletin and it looks great. We all love it, but it's not a part of who we are. And so like this that. state of mind of vision, like if we had a vision state of mind, that's that's way better than a vision statement. The horizon comes just physiologically. Uh, your wife you know, would be able to probably dissect this a little bit better than I can, but we, we carry multiple horizons of vision all the time. Like physically, we walk outside, we can see the fence that you guys share. We can see the buildings of St. Jude in the distance. We may even, if we stand in the right spot, be able to see the gleaming pyramid off in the distance. But we also see the edge of the curb right in front of us so we don't trip when we fall down, right? Yeah. We see what's immediately right yeah. in front of us and then what's far off in the distance. And we hold those, those storylines in tension. It's called accommodation. So the, the the genesis of that thing is these horizons. Vision is not a statement; it's a state of mind, and it's played out over a series of horizons that are all in tension together. This very far, this ten to twenty year vision you speak of, yeah, like hey, this is where we sense God calling ICC, yeah. and oh yeah, by the way, in the next ninety days, we're working on this very practical thing right here. Mm. Those two things can't be separated from each other. So that's that's that storyline that, that all right. causes that thread. You get a pass. Is that all right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I mean, just can never remember it. So yeah, that's all right. It's good. Forgive us when we oh, man, are just you like, know what? give me the 10-year Listen, thing. listen. It is, <laughs> it is about the breakthrough. It is about the 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 realization more than it is the labels. Um, and so, good. you know, that's that's what it is. Hey, what's, let, let's let's kind of wind it down. I, I, I think there's so much left to plumb here, but there's also uh, just a limited amount of time. Maybe we'll come back around in a future episode and get an update after you guys install the Horizon Storyline there you and, go. and get some of those things. What's one daily or regular habit you practice that keeps you close to the heart of God? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Thanks. I love your questions. I um, I think the biggest thing for me is is space. Um, okay. I've I tend to be. Uh, I know I can struggle with control. Yeah. Right. Um, and I also am a number one on the Enneagram, which is a okay. reformer. Yeah. Which is always working to make things better. Yeah. Um, and I've got to have daily space of disconnect where I am. Is that physical space or mental space? It's both for me. I'm a, I'm a little bit of an introvert. I recharge alone. Okay. So that plays into it. Okay. But I, the start of the day is critical for me getting it right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where I've got a space where there's not people around and there's not a task in front of me. And I have to discipline myself to open the word. Yeah. <laughs> not for somebody else or not for some sermon. Open the word for me. Yeah. And to What's a good let go of control and to just receive from God. And remember, everything in my life <laughs> yeah. is dependent not on my control of things or ability to make things better, but on God's incredible grace for me in Christ and how I am so imperfect and I don't have it together to such a degree that he had to give himself for me. Yeah. And I am just as needy as anyone I serve. And, you know, that process of, of daily uh, just space with God 
and it looks like a mixture of time and the word. I've been doing the McShane Bible reading plan for years and years where you go through the whole Bible yeah. every year, New Testament twice, Psalms twice. It's wonderful. There's a lot of plans out there, but it's great. Just healthy digestion of the word, but also just prayer and thinking. And sometimes it looks like me in a coffee shop somewhere. <laughs> That's usually what it looks like yeah. because I love coffee. But um, a lot of times it looks like getting out, taking a walk, walking on the Mississippi River, <laughs> you know, doing something that helps me feel connected to God and to feel alive. Yeah. Um, that's purposed nothingness. <laughs> you know, it's it's purposed just space with God. Mm. I like that purposed nothingness. Yeah, I hate to say nothingness. Well, nothingness from a human point of view. Yes. Nothingness from a, what Barrett controls. That's it. Yeah, it's all about what God gives to me. Mm. Yeah, that's strong. Um, if you could go back to your first year of ministry and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? Yeah, um, I think that I would tell myself to keep the long view in mind from the beginning. What I do you think, mean? well, by that, I mean, um, I think culture comes not from just the clever statements that you can put up on the wall. Y'all preach this all the time, I think, but really from from who you are. Yeah. Um, it starts with who you are. Yeah. But the statements do do help shape the culture. Yeah. Like, I think to have a church of deep and maturing disciples, you've got to be a deep and mature disciple. Mm. I think to have a, a church of loving and caring people, you have to be loving and caring. <laughs> to have a church that is relationally discipling, like, you have to be invested in relational discipleship. Yeah. A church that is, like, reaching the unchurched and unreached means I've got to be in my neighborhood. I need to know my lost neighbors. And I've got to yeah. spend time with them. And I've got to be in long-term relationships to build trust that's building opportunity to share the gospel with them and seeing them come to Christ. And, um, yeah, I think taking that long view in mind, like from the beginning, I think we are in a culture today where the temptation is, like if you look around the way churches are starting, look at all the preview services. You know, it's yeah, just like, yeah. I don't know, the mindset is just a little bit different maybe than than what I would encourage um, and even espouse to, you know, Paul says in first Thessalonians, like I didn't even, I, I didn't just share the gospel with you, but I, I share my own life. Like, yeah. like a mother with her children. Like Remember I gave when you I was myself. With you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I gave you myself. And I think the long view of church planning is so important. Um, it's hard work. And I get frustrated sometimes. I look around sometimes and I'm like, how did they just start a church like last year? And they've got 300 people at their preview service. Like, I don't understand that. <laughs> But I think the real work of church planning with a view of reaching lost and really establishing trust and planting a church that will be healthy in the long view. I keep going back to this from the beginning, yeah, take the long yeah. view. It means that I can't just go for the quick gimmicky things that create crowds, but I've got to go for the deep things that really create um, disciples. And I've got to invest deeply and sincerely and lovingly. I've got to give myself. And I also got to take care of myself. <laughs> I've been reading this book by Christopher Ash called a zeal without burnout i highly recommend it zeal without burnout zeal without burnout and basically what he says is um you have to like take care of yourself from the beginning you got to take the long view and recognize that the church's health is dependent on your health as a leader you need sleep you need food you need friends (laughs) you need sabbath um you need regular intake of god's word i mean he just goes through these they're really stupid basic like it's funny that i'm reading this book because it's like one chapter is like, you need sleep. And I'm like, yeah, I do need sleep. And it's like relearning these like elementary school yeah. things, right? Yeah. But I, so many people, he, he talks about burn out with exhaustion in a very short time frame. And he said, effective leaders invest for the long view. Hmm. Um, from the beginning, they're taking care of themselves because they're not worried just about the short-term success that could drive you into exhaustion. They're thinking... How can I be faithful and effective over a long season? And um, I think that pushes us into some intentional rhythms from the beginning. If I had to go back, I'd I'd say that to myself (laughs) because something I need to be reminded of again and again. I like, I I like that thought that the, the church needs your health more than it needs your work. Or is that? Yeah. I mean, well, your work is only healthy work if it comes from an overflow of where you are. Yeah. In your own relationship with God, good. in your own just rest and healthy rhythms of life. 
And I think that's what Paul's saying. He's like, you know, look at me. Don't just listen to what I'm saying. I mean, I've given you the gospel, yeah, but yeah. look at the manner of my life. Yeah. He can and actually point back he's to, pointing to his look own at how I health. lived when I was with you guys. Yeah. That's, and, yeah. And the deep love and care and concern he had for the people. And yeah, I think, I think it's there's easy a model to get disconnected set for us there. with that, disconnected yeah. from that. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, or for people to be ministering from a place that's just fake. Yeah. You know, Paul Tripp wrote another book that every leader must read called Dangerous Calling. Mm-hmm. It is, it will absolutely rip you apart <laughs> because he goes through and talks about how leaders are so prone to just get disconnected from the very things that are are the source of our, our, our life in ministry. And um, yeah, he just reminds mm-hmm. us of how important those personal rhythms are. Um, you know, we encourage everybody else to be in a small group. Who's our small group? We stand in front of the church and say, you know, you need spiritual friends. Who are our friends? You know, staff, I, I get right? with pastors staff, in other the city pastors, and right? it's weird. Like it, it takes work for us yeah. to actually open ourselves up. And not just friendship. talk about how, how, uh, how good you're doing. Or yeah. So who's fire, who's annoying you? Those personal rhythms yeah. um, are so vital because they keep us healthy with, with God. Yeah. And our ministry the source of life and effectiveness in our ministry is our personal health mm. with God, with our family, with ourselves. So, yeah. Speaking of books, is there one book you consistently recommend or give as a gift? Lately, I've been given this one like crazy. Um, it's also a Paul Tripp book. It sounds like I'm a fanboy, but it's New Morning Mercies. Okay. Um, it's a daily devotional, which I'm not always the biggest fans of like daily devotionals, but man, this one is connect is connected with me and it's connected with people who I'm give- gifting it to. I gave it to summer missionaries, our college summer missionaries this past summer, and people came back going, Man, thank you. That was my lifeblood. Yeah. It's just daily gospel centeredness hmm. and um showing us how broken and desperate we are, but how loving and gracious God is. And just pointing us to the hope that we have, not in ourselves, but in Jesus. And yeah. he, he takes a different angle on that through scripture daily. But man, it's a great book. It Again, it's it's an odd recommendation uh, for this. But I'm telling you, I really believe, I've been recommending it to leaders because I really believe we, we so often jump into, we want to talk about ministry strategy yeah, yeah, and the next yeah. best, you know, whatever, or the theological kind of outworking. But um, we just need these like personal... <laughs> These personal rhythms yeah. um, that encourage our own walk with God. I really believe that if we would stay centered ourselves, um, it would just solve so much. Love that. That's it. That's 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 a great place to uh, to wrap this episode. I think there's a lot more to come um, for 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 a podcast. I, I seriously want to come back around and do that because I, I love the story that God is telling through ICC. I love what this, what this is, what's doing right now. And, um, you guys are at some critical moments right now where, um, the obedience, the responsiveness to the, the working of the gospel, the, the Holy Spirit is, is it's going to be really cool to come back and tell more of that story. So thanks for being a part we of need the, your help in the process. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that conversation right, off good. mic. Yeah. Good. But yeah. Thanks for being on my ministry thanks breakthrough. Barrett, it's been great to be here and, uh, look forward to see what God will do. Thanks, Brian. Thank you for listening to My Ministry Breakthrough from the Oxano Podcast Network. You can head over to myministrybreakthrough.com to join the conversation and access our show notes, including the books or other resources mentioned in this episode. If you enjoy hearing these stories of ministry breakthrough, we would be honored if you would subscribe, rate, and even leave a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. Thanks again for listening.